0: Own Your Creativity, episode 42.
1: Is that happiness is a choice. And those circumstances that occur or that happen in our lives just don't have as much power as we give them sometimes. That is a game changer.
0: You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I'm an author, professor, and podcaster, and I help people tell their story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. I'm really excited because I'm going to be talking to Dr. Paul Jenkins. He works with organizations and individuals to establish and maintain habitual patterns of positive perception and focus that increase happiness, engagement, Productivity, profit, and ultimate achievement of professional and personal life missions. With two decades of experience as a professional psychologist, Dr. Paul, as he is known to clients and his audiences, lays out the how and the why behind the art and science of being constructive in an often destructive environment. It is like having an owner's manual for your brain, one you can actually read, understand, and apply. You understand your own mind and improve its functioning on purpose. And Dr. Paul has a new book out called Pathological Positivity. And without further ado, I'm going to ask Dr. Paul to explain a little bit more about this book and why he chose the title that he did for it. Welcome to the show, Paul.
1: Thank you so much, Elizabeth. What an honor to be on your show today. The title. Interesting, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. It's very intriguing.
1: Well, I'm a psychologist. I've taken a little bit of flack for that title because the word pathological, from a psychological perspective, it means disordered, disconnected from reality, crazy. And it sounds a little crazy to consider that it's possible when we understand how our mind works to remain positive about any circumstances that we may be in no matter what Mm. sounds crazy
0: yeah well you know i often say to my students that there's always a choice. And and this takes on new meaning because the students that I teach right now at the university are students who have failed out of their program and are invited to take this course that I teach in order to improve their self-management and study skills so that they can succeed at university. And so initially, they are not happy about, you know, quote unquote, being forced to take uh, that that class and uh and and they often say they use words like uh you know i was forced to take this class or i don't have any choice right. and, and and so you know what what can you add to that discussion what would you say to somebody who is who's telling you those things
1: uh i believe and we've probably all heard this before that happiness is a choice mm-hmm. and When we understand how our mind processes our experiences, we can actually see why that is the case. And that was one of the reasons for writing the book and some subsequent books that I've written since then, to help people really learn how to operate the equipment. Until we see it as a choice, it's not. And once we do, then we're in a position of control and choice, a much higher volitional approach to life than we ever had before.
0: Why do you think it's such a process for some people to realize that they are in control?
1: (sighs) You know what? I think it has something to do with with our paradigm, our perceptions. Think about it. If I'm in control of this, then I'm also responsible for it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that can be kind of a weighty concept for some folks. I've, I've shared an example sometimes uh, with my clients of driving. And, oh, the
0: one to, that you drove to Arizona? Yes. Oh, please tell us. <laughs>
1: so, and I, hopefully I'm not the only one who's ever done this. You know, when you're driving and you get lost in your thoughts and, and you kind of go right past your exit... And the example that I shared, and I think you could pick this up on the video on my website. Yeah. Uh, The example that I share is going to see a client who lives in southern Utah. Uh, I'm based in Utah. My practice is, is here in Utah. And as I was going to see this client, I got lost in my thoughts or I was listening to a podcast or something and I realized I had missed my exit when I looked up and I saw this big, colorful sign. It said, Arizona welcomes you. <laughs> uh, oh, no, this isn't what I had in mind. And how often does that show up for us in life where we look around and we say, "Ah, oh, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I had in mind, not what I had planned. And then I look down, Elizabeth, and guess whose hands I see on my steering wheel? Yes, your own. <laughs> oh, see that bites a little. It's, oh, I'm here because I drove here. Yeah. It was my choices and my behaviors that brought me to this point. Now, this isn't the same as blaming yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is acknowledging, oh, I have responsibility. And I like to break that word into two parts, response, ability. It's your ability to respond to something. And so now that I see my hands on the wheel, what can I do? See, the bad news is also the good news, because if I've got my hands there, I can steer this thing. I can take it somewhere. It becomes a choice for me. And before I realize that, or if I'm trying to blame someone else for where I am, my hands aren't on the wheel. And then who am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? It's, you know, an example of this. I did child custody evaluations for the court for about 13 years. Wow,
0: well, that must have been tough.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is some of the most emotionally taxing work you can do. These are bitter, angry, divorcing people who can't figure out how to share their kids. And so the judge sends me in and says, Doc, you go figure this out. Oh, no. That's kind of a tall order. Yeah. And guess who these bitter, angry, divorcing people are blaming for all of their misery? The other each person. Other, yeah, each other, right? Yeah. How soon is the ex going to make everything okay? See, that's the trap. And if we blame someone, we're also waiting for them to fix it. Mm. And, in fact, I'm, this is triggering another thing that that uh, we had connected with about. Before the podcast, you asked me, what are some of those aha moments where I realize that there's there's a creation project that I could get involved with?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was it was at a time in my life when I was feeling stuck, you know, and I think most people can relate to that. We have these things happen. One of the chapters of my book is titled Surprise, Surprise. Which just means you know, you're expecting life to go a particular direction and then, surprise, that something else happens instead. Right. It's like ending up in Arizona when I was trying to go to southern Utah.
0: Right. Or ending up in field standing in, in, in yes. my, and ending up in my class. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whatever it
1: is, right? Yeah. It might be a divorce. It might be a bankruptcy. And for me, I had hit a point in my life where I was stuck with one of these life circumstances that I hadn't planned on. I didn't sign up for it. I didn't want this thing to happen. And I'm feeling sorry for myself and just kind of in victim mode, you know? Mm -hmm. And a dear friend of mine, Mary Louise Zeller, who is 74 years old and a six degree black belt in Taekwondo. Wow. (laughs) Do that math for a minute. And I'm sitting with Mary Louise and she's teaching me about mastery on my podcast. And as she's speaking, she says, Paul, the troops aren't coming. Oh. And she paused for a minute and she said, we are the troops. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh, my gosh, here I am curled up in fetal position in the corner, you know, waiting for What? Waiting for the economy to change or waiting for that business partner of mine who, you know, is going to fix it for me. Mm -hmm. And, And for the first time, I realized I have this creative power. I have this ability to step up and do something with whatever it is I have. And I'm not even saying do something about it. I'm saying doing something with it. Okay. This is, this is the construction material I've been given for whatever is next.
0: So how so, did how did you use that as construction material
1: for your next phase? Uh, you know what? It's kind of like changing your mindset first. Okay.
0: Okay. It,
1: another analogy that I've I've shared sometimes is: what if you hear this commotion out in your front yard? And you run to the window and you look out, and somebody has just dumped a pile of bricks on your front lawn, and then they run off. Right?
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Uh, okay, and it's a bizarre thing. <laughs> but it, 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 this pile of bricks now, you know. So I think we have a couple of options, and one option is to take victim mode, like I was doing before, where we we throw a tantrum or we kick and scream and holler this shouldn't be happening to me this is terrible horrible awful no good very bad I hate this (laughs) all right and you can do that as long as you want yeah another option is to do something about it so maybe I go to the phone and I call the police and I say this idiot just dumped bricks on my lawn and we need to do something about this or I think the better option Let's do something with it. And that's where I go out and I gather up these bricks and I go build a retaining wall in my backyard out of the stuff that was piled on my lawn.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: and, And that's what I realized I needed to do. When Mary Louise told me, hey, the troops aren't coming. We are the troops. And I picked myself up and I said, you know what? The only way out of this is to produce my way out of it, to use my creativity, my creative power to do something. And that's when I got serious about writing a book. For example, I would told myself for 10 years, I'm going to write a book. And Elizabeth, every time I said that, it was true. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. <laughs> you know, that can be true forever. Yeah. When I changed my position, and attitude is position. You can ask an airline pilot about this. Uh, Attitude in an airplane is the position of the plane relative to the horizon or the ground.
0: Oh, so interesting.
1: Position, you know. And so you can see that a nose-down position is going to head into the hard stuff pretty fast. Right. A nose-up position can give you altitude. (laughs) Um. I changed my position about it. And instead of saying, oh, I can't because or I'm stuck because or those terrible, awful people who abused me or mistreated me have put me in this position and I'm blaming them. I changed my position to, "Okay, we are the troops. What can I do about this? And I started to use those powerful experiences that I had to motivate and create content for my book the keynote speeches that I give, the trainings that I do. I am in such a better position now because I did something with it that it's, it's just a powerful indicator to me that everything that happens in our life is happening for us, not to us. It's happening for us, and if we can take that as construction material, we can do some amazing things. The opening chapter of my book is called Lightning Strikes. It's, oh, okay. It's about this time that I was going through. And so it's very obvious that I, I took that pile of bricks that was dumped on my yard and turned it into my book. It became the impetus and the, and the uh, motivating factor that got me actually off dead center to actually write the first book. And I've written a book every year since.
0: My goodness, I love the your use of words and, you know, um, attitude and position, but also just those little tweaks. If you if you substitute about for the word with, that just transforms things or, you know, the, it's not happening uh, to you, it's happening for you. You're just those little teeny words and it shifts astronomically.
1: Oh, that means a lot coming from you because you're a wordsmith. And it is powerful. A small shift changes the meaning. Another example that I share with my clients a lot is the difference between but and and.
0: Um, They're both
1: conjunctions, they Mm -hmm. both join one idea with another. Mm -hmm. The word but changes the value of both ideas it diminishes the, the value of the first idea and increases the value of the second. Yes. So, for example, listen to this phrase. I know that I have a lot of really great things going on in my life and that I'm very blessed and I have an abundance, but okay, now, yeah. I've diminish the value of that, and whatever I'm going to say next is really what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: As opposed to I know that I have a lot of abundance in my life, and I want to create something new. it totally changes the energy
0: it does so you know I think that a lot of people uh, would would be with you when when you say, "Okay, so we have to create something out of those bricks that have been dumped into our into our yard." and then and they do they start building something but then they don't follow through because like you say you know you can always say that you're writing a book but you never do but it's always true that yes i will write a book one day but then then they start doing it and then they don't follow through so what was your secret that you were able to not only follow through to completion but to write a book every single year uh, thereafter
1: you know one of my coaches dan sullivan Uh, Taught that it's not about discipline. See, because we get it in our minds sometimes, well, I just need to be more disciplined, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: His point was that we are already 100% disciplined to our current set of habits. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's really about establishing new habits. And I think that is driven by how we see ourselves. So when I changed my attitude or position, about who I am and instead of being you know a guy who's going through some hard things and is going to write a book someday my attitude changed to I am an author I am a powerful inspiring man who has important ideas to share and I do it through writing and speaking and counseling see I changed that opinion about myself and then my habits began to change to match that Mm. if if I'm an author what do I do? You write. I write. Now, the next question is, when do I write? Because you can't write without any time or effort attached to it. Right. So I went to my calendar. And you can tell what people are, are committed to through two documents, their calendar and their checkbook. And that will show you what they're actually committed to. And so I looked on my calendar and I didn't see anything that said writing time. Mm -hmm. So I changed that. And I established a habit of writing every Saturday morning from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And I've kept that appointment with myself. It has become a habit.
0: So just two hours a week you write and you write a book every year?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of cool, it is, and I wouldn't have thought that I would have thought, oh my gosh, you know i I don't have time or i don't I don't know how to do this. well, just start, yeah, <laughs> start and you commit yourself to to habits that support your new attitude, yeah or position about yourself, yeah and and that sounds so simple, and it is simple, uh simple and easy aren't the same thing, this is true. <laughs> yeah. so what's your definition of creativity I believe that it's our it's in our nature to be creators I believe that human beings are creative beings we make stuff we innovate we design things we, we can always imagine something better than what we have even if what we have is really awesome so as creators, we are going to create something. Um, tune into this for a minute. You have the power to create a mess. Have you noticed, Elizabeth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely. <laughs>
1: it's not personal. It's just human. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how we roll here. We have the ability, and sometimes I'll give my audiences, if I'm doing a keynote or something, I'll give them an assignment. And the assignment is take a half hour. That's all you get. We're going to time you. Take a half hour. Use your very best creative energy, your ideas. You can collaborate. Use any resources that you can bring into your to your disposal to somehow in a half hour make your life worse. Ah. <laughs> You don't no. need half an hour for that. <laughs> I know, right? Would you ever do that on purpose? No. No. Be- because we are wired for the upgrade. We all want something better. But look how quickly your mind can come up with half a dozen ways to pull that off, and it yeah. would not take a half hour. <laughs> See, I think Dan Zadra put it very nicely. He said, worry is the misuse of imagination.
0: Oh my goodness, I like that.
1: And that's a a really powerful quote when you start to think about the power of our imagination. We can always imagine something better or something worse than what we already have. Yeah. So, and then there's two processes that I teach in my workshops about what our mind is up to. And one of those processes is evaluation. That's where we judge what we have. Mm Mm-hmm guess what? If you use your imagination of something worse, then what you have looks pretty darn good. Right. And that puts you into a positive energy because when we move to creation mode, and this is getting to your question about creativity, I think it's a mode that we're in. We constantly switch between evaluation and creation. When we're in creation mode, it serves us well to imagine something better. Because that gives us the template to go create it. Right. So I think creativity is understanding those two processes and doing it on purpose to upgrade our life and the lives of those around us. Because our creative efforts serve others very well. I'm so grateful that I have this microphone in front of me. I didn't innovate this thing but somebody did through their creativity right so we bless and lift each other through our our efforts related to creativity and doing that on purpose
0: and you also um connect that to your mission and 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 you know it can be in a religious sense or or just not but it seems like from you know what i understand about your approach is that really you believe that we're here because we have a mission to use our gifts to make the world a better place can you talk a little bit more about that
1: yes i when i think about mission i i'm thinking purpose okay And this is one of the common things that we think about often as human beings. What is my purpose? What is my mission? What is is the reason that I'm here on this rock? And I have a specific set of skills and attributes and desires that are different from yours. And so that means I have something to contribute to you that you're not so inclined to either create or do or provide. And, and this is what gives us a, a basis for economic exchange, because we all have something to contribute. It's, I think the sweet spot is when you do what you love for those who love what you do. And that creates an exchange that lifts and elevates the quality of life for both the person who is creating and and providing that, as well as the people who are receiving or consuming it.
0: I love the way that you combine economics with creativity in that definition. I don't think I've heard it in quite that way before.
1: Hmm. Well, you'll like my next book. It's called Happynomics.
0: Oh, my goodness, what a great title. <laughs>
1: and it's, it's underway, so stay tuned.
0: Very cool. So what's yeah. the best advice that you've ever received in terms of owning your creativity?
1: <laughs> okay, you're going to enjoy this. I was interviewing Eric Dodge. Eric is an amazing country singer. He, he used to tour with the Fly Lady, if you know who she is. Marla Silly. Um, and Eric was on my show not too long ago, and I had asked him a similar question, and this has become for me some really great advice that I try to apply in my own life, and I've shared it with many of my clients and audiences. And the way Eric put it was this. Just try some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, Elizabeth, because we get, we get, in, we get in our own way you know, with our fears of, oh, what if this doesn't work? Or what if people don't like it? Or, you know, we've got this noise going on in our head that just traps us and paralyzes us. And I loved Eric's fresh cowboy approach to that, which was just try some stuff. (laughs) I
0: love that. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success?
1: Mm. Well, I shared with you that I, I created a habit of writing. Yes. And that probably has supported my creative success more than anything else. It, it gave me a way to capture and repurpose ideas and inspiring thoughts. Psychology is the best spectator sport in the world. <laughs> I get to observe people's lives and I get to be a part of stories that I have no business even hearing except for my position. Right. And the writing habit for me obviously has has provided books that I now receive revenues for and that are changing and blessing people's lives all over the world. Um, in fact, I just closed a deal to um, publish it in Chinese.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. Congratulations.
1: You know, I don't even speak Chinese. But <laughs> um, it, it has a reach then that goes far beyond what, what my voice or my personal efforts can do. So I think of all the habits I've established, the habit of writing, and, and folks even, you know, for the listeners who are thinking, well, I'm not really an author. I still think that there is enormous value In establishing a habit of writing your thoughts and impressions and things that have have struck you as being important, this will will guide your behaviors. Uh, Even if it's uh, you know a simple journaling practice or habit that you establish, I think I think it's powerful.
0: And is there a person in your life that inspires you to be creative?
1: There are so many. And you know this, Elizabeth, because you're a podcaster. I have, I call this my human treasury. Mm. It's it's these amazing people who spend their time with me on my show. And I have a whole bookshelf that is populated exclusively with guests from my show. And so it's hard to nail down one or two. But if if you ask me that directly, I... I believe that that there are key relationships in my life that are prioritized and I start with the the relationship with my creator and I'm not here as your spiritual guide but I think we all need to come to terms with what our source is and have some understanding of that and then second is my relationship with myself followed closely by the relationship I have with my family and Within my family, the priority is my spouse, my wife, Vicki, my children, and then my extended family. So I've given it some thought as to how these people stack up. And then after my family is all of those other people in my human treasury that aren't in my family. And... Uh, there are so many, so many. I, I can't nail it down to one, but I've given you the priority for me.
0: Lovely. Thank you. And do you have a favorite work of art? It can be any type of art, uh, songs or poems, films, paintings, anything.
1: Oh, again, so many. The <laughs> one that, that pops into my head, though, Elizabeth, is a sculpture by Gary Lee Price, who is a personal friend of mine, and this – particular sculpture is the statue of responsibility oh. and you can look that up on the web um, it's actually a project a movement to create another statue to bookend the statue of liberty on the east coast with the statue of responsibility on the west coast oh. and this beautiful creation that he made shows two hands uh, joined in in a vertical position so one is is lifting the other, and I love that image because we are all the top hand, and we are all the bottom hand, right, at different times in our life. So it just it symbolizes our interdependence, and also the the idea of personal responsibility, um, which I think is is. An important factor in our freedom. It's more than just liberty. It it includes personal responsibility, and that's why I'm I'm such a fan of this movement. And the uh, the statue has really inspired me that way.
0: And do you have a favorite quote that inspires you?
1: Besides just try some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another one that came to mind is Carolyn Myers, who said, "Everything is okay in the end."
0: Oh, if, lovely. It's not-
1: a, it's not the end.
0: Wow. Can you say that again?
1: Everything is okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So we're just about to wrap up here. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience before we before we finish?
1: Oh, you know the thing that that is burning the most in my in my heart and mind right now is that happiness is a choice. And those circumstances that occur or that happen in our lives just don't have as much power as we give them sometimes. And as we back up from that and we see that that we can put ourselves in a position of positivity through our own choice, that changes the game. That is a game changer. It's
0: very powerful. Thank you. So how can people get in touch with you? What's your website or are you on Twitter? How can we people connect with you?
1: Yeah, probably the best way, Elizabeth, is just through the website. It's drpauljenkins.com. That's spelled with a D-R-P-A-U-L-J-E-N-K-I-N-S, drpauljenkins.com. And I have links there to my podcast, which is called Live On Purpose Radio, Uh, There's a products page there where they can find my books. Um, The first one that you mentioned, Pathological Positivity. Uh, The second one is actually a mini book. It's a pocket-sized capture of the two processes that I shared with you today, evaluation and creation, and that one's called Portable Positivity. And then the third one is called The Love Choice, which is a compilation of um, essays about love from professional speakers. So um, the website, great place for them to connect with me. And there's there's links also there to the social media sites and the things that we're doing. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us today. It's been wonderful.
1: Oh, what an honor, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I just uh, want to support what you're doing to help people tune into their creativity and really get that they are creators.
0: Are you feeling a lack of engagement or connection with your clients? It might be that you're telling the wrong story in your marketing content. If you want to know more about the most common mistakes that entrepreneurs make and how to avoid them, sign up at bit.ly forward slash story report. That's bit.ly forward slash story report to find out more and stop making these costly
1: mistakes.